Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 87 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And uh, speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you are already a Muslim who wants to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, you also can follow me on Instagram at withwail, again, withwail, uh, for any future announcements regarding the podcast. So, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And this is the going to be the last episode of our incredible journey, uh, you know, talking about the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is the last episode in, in, in uh, the current season. I think it's season four. And, and inshallah, we will resume, uh, you know, with a new season and, and new episodes, inshallah, in, in starting next year in January 2022. This will allow me, you know, some time to you know, do personal stuff and also prepare, uh, you know, for incredible topics uh, in the future. Uh, and this is going to be, inshallah, a, a big one. I, I, this episode is very emotional. Uh, we've been with the with the Prophet ﷺ from, you know, from day one of, of prophethood uh, up until this point. Uh, we talked about so many things. We covered so many things, alhamdulillah. And you guys have been amazing, uh, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward all of us for this. Uh, so let's get right into uh, uh, the, the the incidents and, and what happened to, uh, you know, that led to the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So we will start by, by, by saying this. There were many signs and preparations for the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that the companions actually did not recognize or understand. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and, and this is a human nature, by the way. Like, it's it's a human nature to not think about death, especially when it comes to our own death and our loved ones. Think about it. You know, if, if, if there are hints that, you, you know, uh, the person that you're, you're with, you know, your, your spouse or, you know, your, your, your parents or whoever, your loved ones, if there are any indications or any signs that they're about to die, you don't want to think about it. You know, you don't want to, again, we're not talking about if they have like an obvious illness or anything like that, but we're like, you know, any indications, right? You don't want to think about it. You don't want to overthink it. You know, death, we're going to die later, you know, when we grow or whatever, older. But, you know, again, it's a human nature to not want to think about death, especially if it's about yourself or your loved ones. But look at this. In the Quran, uh, and specifically in the chapter of the Zumur, Verse number 30. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? Innaka mayit wa innahum mayitun. Allah is saying you are. He's, the, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Quran in this verse. He's saying that you are going to die. And they will die as well. Talking about the companions. Innaka mayit wa innahum lamayitun. So that was a hint. You're, you're going to die. You know, you're not immortal. And they will die too. They're humans. You are a human. They are humans. So that was a very subtle, you know, indication. But there's actually 
a very explicit verse in the Quran in the chapter of Ala Imran, verse number 144. That Allah Allah is saying, Muhammad is only a messenger who came after, you know, a chain of messengers and prophets. Now Allah in this verse is addressing the companions, specifically the companions. He's saying what? Muhammad is a human being. He is a messenger, a prophet of Allah who came, you know, at the end of, you know, the chain of, of messengers. So if he died, now Allah is, is talking to the, 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 the companions. So if he died, are you going to flip out and lose your minds? Allah saying this, are you going to like, you know, won't, you won't be able to handle it? Basically, Allah is preparing them mentally for this. Also, Jibreel would come to the Prophet ﷺ every Ramadan to recite the Quran with him uh, uh, once. So once a Ramadan, Angel Jibreel would come to the Prophet ﷺ and they would recite the Quran, whatever was revealed from the Quran. The year, this year, the 11th year uh, of the Hijrah, of the emigration, where the Prophet, you know, when he died, Jibreel came twice in Ramadan. And the Prophet didn't ask why. And Jibreel did not say why, but the Prophet understood something is different this year. This is probably it. You know, this is probably it. And this is Allah's indirect indication to the Prophet himself to that you're about to die. He's preparing him mentally, you know. Remember when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prepared our Prophet for prophethood? He was preparing him mentally, right? Same thing now, he's preparing him, you're going to die. You're about to die. Something is different this year. This year is unlike any other year because something significant is about to happen. Also, our Prophet in the farewell hajj, what was he doing? He was telling everyone goodbye. I will probably not say, the, the people who live far, you know, far from Medina, you know, he, he was technically telling them, I will probably not see you again. What does that mean? That was a mental indication that he was about to die. And here's the interesting part. Our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was walking one day with a companion by the name of Abu Muwahib. And he basically told him this out of nowhere. He said, do you know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala gave me a choice? He offered me the kingdom of earth and eternal life, then paradise. Or to meet him very soon, then paradise. Do you see the choices here? Both end with paradise. It's not like Allah told him, hey, you will have the kingdom of earth and eternal life. But sorry, you know, you're not going to get paradise. You're going to get it in this world. No, both choices Ended with paradise. Do you want to live forever or you want to meet Allah soon? So, of course, Abu Muwahib said what? O Prophet of Allah, choose the kingdom of earth. I mean, if both have paradise, if you're not losing anything, choose the kingdom of earth and eternal life. But then the Prophet responded and he said, but I've already made my choice, which obviously was to meet Allah very soon. Now, can you imagine of the Prophet, if the Prophet actually chose the first choice, he would have lived until the end, like the day of judgment. We would have seen the Prophet 
with us right now, eternal life. And it would have been a living, uh, a living uh, miracle, right? The world would have changed drastically. If you think about it for a second, the world would have drastically changed. Everybody would have believed, right? He's an immortal. He's, you know, he's eternal. But the Prophet ﷺ didn't care about all of this. He wanted to mute Allah. He did what he he fulfilled his message. He sent, you know, uh, he delivered the message to the Muslims. And that's all he wanted. He did not want to waste any more time in this world. He wanted to meet Allah. Subhanallah. So, how did it start? Now, the Prophet died out of uh, severe sickness, by the way. And a lot of people, and, and I want to address this before we talk about the actual sickness of the Prophet Some might say, why, why did Allah you know, cause so much pain to the Prophet before he died? To elevate his rank in paradise. We all know that any pain that's caused to us, mental, physical, does one of two things. To us as human beings, as normal people, it does one thing more than the other, which is it expiates from our sins. So if anything bad happens to you, this is good. Allah's taken away from your sins. Any type of suffering in this life. We know this 100%. Now, when people don't have that much sins, which we can't say that about ourselves, but the prophets and the messengers, when they suffer, because they are the most tested, by the way. We know this from an authentic hadith. The most tested people on this earth are prophets and messengers. Why? Now, they don't have that, those, that, those types of sins that we have, right? But Allah, with the suffering, with those tests and their patient, you know, when they become patient, Allah elevates their ranks in paradise. Subhanallah. So the Prophet that's why he had a painful death. He was sick and he suffered because Allah wanted to just elevate him to the highest. And indeed, we know this for a fact, the Prophet inshallah will have the highest level in Jannah. Now, when he was, you know, his wife Maimuna, so when he was at Maimuna's house, his fever began. He started, you know, feeling feverish and, you know, he started getting more sick. So he asked permission from all of his wives to go and rest in uh, Aisha's house. Look at the, the you know, the, the, the mannerisms. He could have been like, I'm sick. I need to go, you know, and stay in Aisha's house. No, he asked for permission first. And they all gave him the permission. They said, of course, O Messenger Allah, please go. And we hope, make dua to Allah that, you know, you feel better. Our Prophet ﷺ was sick for 10 days. He had severe fever for 10 days, by the way. And here's the thing. Having a fever back in the day was deadly. Like now when you have a fever, you can take a few pills and you're good to go. Back in the day, there was no medicine for fever. People died from fever. So fever was a very serious, very serious sickness that today we just take it for granted, right? Oh, yeah, they have some fever. Let's, you know, take some medicine and it'll be okay. Back in the day, people died from it. So, Aisha kept making ruqya on the Prophet Sallallahu you know, reciting the Qur'an. That's what ruqya means, right? Reciting Qur'an and asking Allah for, you know, to heal us with the blessings of the Qur'an. And then she was reciting the last two chapters uh, in the Qur'an, which is basically uh, uh, Al-Falaq and uh, 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 An-Nas. The chapter of uh, 113, chapter 113 and chapter 114. 
Now, during the 10 days, Aisha walks upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and, you know, she had, she had a headache. And she was holding her head and she kept saying, Oh my head, oh my head, wa ra'sa, wa ra'sa. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, smiled and he said, Well, rather, oh my head. Because, again, he was teasing her. Uh, also, he had a way more severe, you know, headache than she did. And he was, you know, in more pain, but he was using this to, you know, tease her a little bit. Now, the, we have to mention the companions did not suspect that the Prophet ﷺ, you know, was going to die at all. They thought he was sick, you know, he needs to rest and he will be fine. So he wanted to also ease the tension a little bit because Aisha was worried about him, you know, and the companions were worried about him as well, but they didn't expect him, you know, to die. So he would tell her, Oh, Aisha, what would you lose if you die right now and I, you know, wash your body, I bury you, and then I pray Janazah? On you, which is basically the burial prayers. What would you have to lose? Now he's joking with her to ease the tension, and at the same time, he's mentally preparing her for his death. And of course, Aisha, you know, responds and she's, you know, teasing back and she goes, Well, you would love that, wouldn't you? Because if I die, you will have more freedom with the rest of your wives. Again, it shows you the type of relationship that they had. You know, they were joking with one another, teasing one another. And it was beautiful. But again, she did not suspect that the Prophet Wasallam, you, know, uh, you know, would die. Uh, and uh, they kept... Now, the Prophet the fever kept on increasing. It was not going down. His temperature kept, you know, getting higher and higher. So they brought buckets of water from a specific well that was known that it would have the coldest water. So they would bring in the coldest water from a specific well and they would pour it, you know, uh, on the face and the body of the Prophet Wasallam. And it shows you that, you know, it's 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 serious. That the, the fever he had was very serious. You know, and then they they kept wrapping like a turban around his head to minimize the headache a little bit. Uh, and then it got so bad that the Prophet Wasallam could not walk. He could barely walk. He couldn't walk normally anymore. Then Al-Abbas, his uncle, now of course we know Al-Abbas, and Ali, his cousin, who was married to his daughter, by the way. Ali was married to the daughter of the Prophet Sallam. Uh, he was married to Fatima. So Ali and Al-Abbas, because they are his you know, family members, they kept you know, carrying him around, you know, uh, giving him, doing you know, the, the cold water, you know, and doing all these things. They were helping basically in the house. And also, it's it's. I don't know if I ever mentioned this before, but the the, the house of the Prophet Sallallahu was attached to the masjid, to the mosque that they prayed at. So uh, uh, you know, they would carry him to the pulpit uh, uh, of the masjid so he can lead the prayers. But then his condition kept getting worse and worse, which made the Muslims worry even more. They worried, you know, so much so that they. Start, the people who lived far from the masjid started camping in the masjid. They started camping in the masjid to be close to the Prophet Wasallam. And, you know, um, whenever he would, you know, sit on the pulpit, now he's he, he's still praying with them, leading the prayers and everything. He wouldn't be able to stand, so he would always sit down. The Prophet was always standing, by the way. Whenever he gave a sermon, whenever he gave a speech, he would always stand. Like you see in Jummah prayers now. So he would always stand, but you know, towards the the, the 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 end, he couldn't you know stand anymore because again, like I said, he could barely stand. So he would sit down, and then one time, he would give him some advice, like you know, some advice. So one time he said, "What? 
And again, they still didn't get the hint. They still did not get the hint. So he said one time, do not turn my grave into a masjid where you pray. Because previous nations did this to their prophets. And may Allah, you know, uh, not reward them for that. Basically he's telling them, do not, if I die and get buried, do not go pray in my, uh, by my grave. It's not a masjid. The grave is not a masjid. Right? So he's giving them some, some advice and some rulings before, you know, uh, he dies. He also said, if I owe anyone a debt, please let me know now. Even a penny in, you know, in our time. If I owed anyone even a penny, one dinar, please let me know. Of course, no one responded. So he kept repeating. If I owe anyone any debt, please let me know. He kept repeating it. He kept repeating it until one of the companions said, O Prophet of Allah, um, you, owe, you owe me uh, three dinars. And I swear by Allah, I was never going to ask for them. But you kept repeating, repeating until I felt like I was sinful if I don't say anything. Look at the mannerisms of the companions. So the guy didn't want to say anything. The Prophet ﷺ owed him three dinars and he didn't want to say anything. But then when the Prophet ﷺ kept repeating, 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 he thought, I'm going to be sinful if I don't say anything. So I have to say something now. And the Prophet ﷺ, you know, paid him back. Uh, and then he said, if I treated any of you unjustly, come now and take back your right. The leader of an entire nation is literally saying, if I treated you in any bad way, come right now and take your right. I don't want to meet Allah with any, you know, unsettled debt. I do not want to meet Allah. And that says a lot about us, unfortunately. When we know commit injustices against one another, when we, you know, uh, die taking people's money and all these things, look at the pro- He is the best example. If I committed any injustice towards any of you, come now and take your right. I do not want to meet Allah with this. I, I want to meet Allah with a clean slate, subhanAllah. And of course, nobody came forth because the Prophet was known to be, you know, the symbolism of justice. He always treated every single one. You know, with the utmost justice. Then he tells them this story. He said, There is a servant of Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had asked him to choose between this world and his Lord. Now he's saying the same, you know, story he told Abu Muayhib. And that servant chose his Lord because he wanted to meet his Lord and he didn't care about this life. Now, to them, it's a beautiful story. Nobody's connecting the dots. No one is connecting the dots except for one person in the audience, Abu Bakr. And Abu Bakr, once he hears this, he started crying. And they all look at Abu Bakr and they think, okay, Abu Bakr was known to have a soft heart. You know, he cries easily uh, during prayers, you know, while he was reciting Quran. So they thought, oh, he was very touched by the story. Nobody is understanding that Abu Bakr understood exactly what this means. You know, then Abu Bakr, uh, you know, realizing that the servant, of course, was the Prophet ﷺ, you know, he was trying to, you know, contain himself. And again, everybody looked at him like, oh, Abu Bakr, you know, like it's, it's a beautiful story. We understand why you're crying. Then our Prophet ﷺ looked at Abu Bakr and he said, do not cry, Abu Bakr, for you are the most trusted person to me. And if I were to take a very close friend, now that the, the term 
of a very close friend in Arabic is Khalil. Khalil is mean in Arabic means very, very close friend. So he said, if I were to take a close friend, it would have been you. But I cannot take a close friend, I cannot take a Khalil because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had chosen me to be his Khalil. Now let's analyze this for a second. Now, among the the, the humans, Abu Bakr is the closest to the Prophet. We know this. He's the best friend. But he can't be the ultimate best friend. Because who is the ultimate best friend of the Prophet? It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah chosen the Prophet to be his ultimate best friend. So he basically saying, You are my closest best friend among humans. You know? But ultimately speaking, Allah is my uh, you know uh, closest and best friend. Then uh, on a Friday, the Prophet ﷺ led the Maghrib prayer, the sunset prayer. And that was, by the way, his last prayer to be, you know, uh, recited out loud. We, we all know that three prayers are recited out loud. Maghrib, sunset, Isha, night prayer, and Fajr. So the last prayer that the Prophet ﷺ recited out loud was uh, the Maghrib prayer on, uh, on a Friday. And he recited the chapter of Mursalat. He recited the chapter of Mursalat. So the chapter of Mursalat was the last chapter that the Prophet ﷺ recited publicly, out loud. Then he goes, you know, back after the prayer is done, he goes back to his room and he lays, you know, on his bed. Then Aisha time comes. Now the night prayer comes. So Bilal comes and it was from the custom that Bilal, because he is the, you know, Mu'addin, right? He's the caller of uh, prayer. So he comes to the Prophet knocks on his door and tells him, O Prophet of Allah, it is time for Isha prayer. Our Prophet stood up to lead the prayers, but then he fainted right away. So they all rushed, you know, the, the, again, Ali and Al-Abbas and Bilal to pour, you know, cold water uh, on him. Then he stood up again. He, you know, regained uh, consciousness and then he stood up again and he was about to walk. And as soon as he stood up and he was about to walk, he fainted again. And the second, you know, time, it was a longer faint. Like he was fainting for a longer, fainted for a longer time. Then they repeated the process and then he would, you know, uh, regain consciousness and he, you know, would ask, have, have the people prayed yet? And they said, no, they are waiting for you, O Prophet of Allah. Then, you know, he would stand up again and then he would faint. It was reported that he fainted seven times to be able to stand up and go and lead Aisha prayer. Seven times. And my dear brothers and sisters, it shows you the importance of prayers. Please take notes. The Prophet ﷺ is fainting seven times. Seven times to go lead the prayers. And he's insisting every time he faints, he, you know, gets up after he regains consciousness and he's about to go and lead people and then he faints. And then he's about to go and lead them in prayers and then he faints seven times. This is a huge sign of how important prayers are. Then when he realized he won't be able to lead the prayers anymore, he told Aisha, his wife, go and tell Abu Bakr to lead the prayer. Now this is significant. Why? Because for the past 10 years in Medina, no one led the prayers in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ while the Prophet ﷺ was there in Medina. Again, 
This nobody led the prayers of them in the Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, that Masjid that we're talking about. While the Prophet was in Medina ever for ten years, never happened. You know, people other masjids, people can lead prayers, but we're talking about this main masjid, right? So for him to assign Abu Bakr to lead the prayers, this is significant now. So Aisha gets worried. And she does not basically want her father to lead the prayers. Why? Because she does not want people to think that her father, Abu Bakr, is taking advantage of the situation. Again, they will all look at him like, you're not the prophet of Allah. And he's not. And that would leave negative emotions in the hearts of the Muslims towards Abu Bakr. That's what she thinks. That's not the case, but that's what she thinks. So she's trying to protect her father from you know what she thinks might happen. So she basically tells the Prophet an excuse. She doesn't lie. She just tells him that, you know, my father cries while praying. We just said that, right? And he has a soft heart. People might not like that. So why can't we find someone else to lead who doesn't, you know, cry like my father does? And the Prophet ﷺ repeated, tell Abu Bakr to lead the prayers. Then she even, you know, went to Hafsa, you know, the daughter of Umar ibn al-Khattab. And she said, Hafsa, ask your father to lead the prayers. I do not want my father to lead the prayers. People will think, you know, stuff. Then, you know, Hafsa comes to the Prophet ﷺ and she suggests, how about my father you know, leads the prayer instead. And then Abu Prophet realized what was going on. He realized that they're trying to make Abu Bakr not lead the prayer for whatever reasons. So he literally firmly said, go and find Abu Bakr because Allah will not allow anyone else to lead the salah than Abu Bakr. This is a clear cut now. This is coming from Allah. You can't, you can't mess around. So, the, of course, when he said that, they all went and they found Abu Bakr. And Abu Bakr, you know, led the Aisha prayer on that day. And, you know, from now on, Abu Bakr was the one to lead the prayers. Then the day after, you know, that, that, that incident, while Dhuhr prayer was taking place, the noon prayer was taking place, the Prophet ﷺ actually walks, was able to walk out of his room and then walk into the masjid while they're praying. And... Everyone started, you know, to notice that the Prophet ﷺ is, you know, approaching them. So they started making way for him to go and lead the prayers. So again, there's a commotion going on, you know, the, you can sense it. So Abu Bakr sensed something and he realized there is no way. There is something else is going on, uh, uh, you know, uh, rather than the Prophet ﷺ is actually coming in in the masjid right now this is has to be the only reason so abu bakr literally takes a few steps back and uh you know for the prophet to lead he sees him with his peripheral vision but then uh, the prophet motions him to stay put stay in your place but then abu bakr refuses and he refuses out of respect now the, the abu bakr disobeyed the Prophet ﷺ. Now, companions were not allowed to disobey the Prophet ﷺ, but he disobeyed him in this incident out of respect. There's a big, you know, there's a big difference now. Then the Prophet ﷺ, you know, led the prayers, and of course, this was a, a, a quiet prayer, so that's why the it was not a public prayer. We said that the last public prayer that the Prophet ﷺ led was, you know, that Maghrib prayer on a Friday. This one was a quiet prayer, so he did not recite out loud. So after the prayers were, you know, were done, uh, they carried him to the pulpit where he gave his last lecture, basically, his last sermon, which is significant because the points he's about to mention are significant in Islam. 
Of course, number one, he started praising the Ansar and he said, take care of the Ansar. You know, you know, he was praising them like he always did. Right. The second point, which is very important. He said, what? Be patient with the new converts. Treat them well. Be hospitable like I was. My dear brothers and sisters, right now, we learn from the Prophet ﷺ, his last commands to us. Be patient with the new converts. Don't complicate things for them. Don't get frustrated with them when you know they're not doing things right in the beginning. Take, let them take their time. Take your time with them. Be patient with them. This is what the Prophet ﷺ is telling us to do. So take notes. Also, he said, have good thoughts of Allah when you're about to die. Meaning what? You did what you have to do. You feared Allah your, your entire life. Now have good thoughts. You're about to die. If you're realizing, of course, that you're about to die. If you realize, if you realize that you're, you know, these are your last days, have hope in Allah's mercy. You did what you had to do in this life. You know, now have hope in Allah. Have good thoughts of Allah when you are about to die. And here's the thing. Pray, pray, and fear Allah regarding the weak. The last thing he said. As-salah, as-salah, wa taqullah fi ma malakat aymanikum. Pray, pray twice. Pray, pray. He's talking about the five daily prayers. Again, significant, important. Pray, pray, and fear Allah regarding the weak of the society. Do not pry on the weak. Do not take advantage of the weak. Take care of them. Empower them. This is our Prophet ﷺ. This is the best of mankind. Telling us exactly what to do in our society. Fear Allah regarding the weak. Because they might be weak in this life, but they won't be on the day of judgment. The Prophet ﷺ is telling us, the weak is weak now, maybe. But on the day of judgment, Allah will give them power. So fear Allah in them. Now, on the next day, he asks Aisha, how much money do I have, Aisha? So she looks around, she finds seven dirhams. Then he says, what will I say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if I meet him with this money? Now, this is his own money, right? This is his own spending. So he said, what would I do? Please donate it to the poor. Then he faints. Then when he wakes up, he asks, did you give it to the poor yet? But then she was distracted. Her husband is really sick. So she didn't find time to go look for the poor people and, you know, give them seven dirhams. And then he kept, you know, it kept, he kept fainting. And then, you know, when he wakes up, he asks. So she realized, okay, he's not going to give up asking. Let me go and give it to the poor right now. And she literally gave every single penny, every last penny they had to the poor. And we can say that the Prophet ﷺ literally died without a single penny in his pocket. Our Prophet ﷺ literally died only leaving one cup of barley. And Aisha continued using from it. Uh, and it never decreased, by the way. And it was a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She kept using it, kept using from it, kept using it, and it never decreased. So one day she got really curious. So she started, you know, uh, she's like, you know what, let me measure it. And once she did that, of course, Allah took away the miracle. And, you know, uh, the cup finished shortly after. And he only died also owning 
his mule. That was the only thing he owned beside the cup of barley. He owned his mule. Even the oil for the lamp, Aisha had to borrow from her neighbor. Can you imagine the most powerful man on earth at the time? The man who controlled the entire Arabian Peninsula died without owning anything or having any money in his pocket. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about the Prophet He did not care about this life. This life meant nothing for him. He only used this life to get to the hereafter. He only used it to do good deeds. He only used it to deliver the message. He only used it to do good stuff. And that's what we should learn. Do not hold on to this life. It's never going to last. My dear brothers and sisters, never going to last. We're all going to die. And life itself will cease to exist on a day of judgment. So why are we caring so much about this life? It won't make any, it doesn't make a difference. The only thing that makes a difference in this life is if you use it to do good deeds. To build your, let's say, portfolio with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you're, you know, if you're talking investments terms. Build your portfolio with Allah. Build your book of deeds with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the only use of this life. The only good use of this life. Now, on a Monday, which was the 12th of Rabi' al-Awwal, at the, you know, in the 11th year of the Hijrah, which this is basically the day that the Prophet ﷺ died, and during Fajr time, you know, the Prophet ﷺ was carried to sit down uh, in his room, and then he lifted the curtain. Now, what separated between his room and the masjid was a curtain. So he lifted that curtain, and he was watching the Muslims, uh, you know, pray Fajr time. And, of course, they didn't see him for two days, right, because he was, you know, going in and out of a coma. And basically, they saw him with their peripheral vision while they were praying, uh, looking at them, sitting down and looking at them. And that almost actually ruined their prayers. They almost got out of prayers because of how happy they were to see the Prophet ﷺ after two days of not seeing him at all or hearing anything about him. And when Abu Bakr, again, he was leading the prayers, when he heard the commotion, he basically, you know, stepped back thinking he thought that the Prophet was coming to lead the prayers so he actually stepped back to you know uh, make way for the Prophet but the Prophet was never coming he was sitting down so the Prophet you know motions to him do not move again he could see the Prophet you know uh, he could see the, the Prophet's motion with his peripheral vision and then uh, you know the Prophet face was beaming with joy because you know from his, you know, from him seeing the Muslims praying, one nation prostrating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which was an indication that he fulfilled his message. He fulfilled Allah's message and he conveyed it to completion. He was extremely happy to see all the Muslims prostrating because his message was fulfilled. And you know, that was the one thing that made him happy during his incredible and unbearable pain. Seeing the Muslims praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, and it it's it's heartbreaking that this was the only thing that the, made the Prophet ﷺ, you know, smile and, and feel happy. And so many of us don't even pray and they're not interested in praying. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to break 
that thing that the Prophet ﷺ was happy for and to never, you know, think about it and or take it seriously. For those who don't pray, please, my dear brothers and sisters, this is what made the Prophet ﷺ smile. This is what made him happy during, you know, the worst time of pain that he, you know, experienced. Now, he was, you know, very joyful. Then, you know, the fever increased a lot after this and he began to faint even way more than before. Then Fatima, his daughter, now we know Fatima, his daughter, she, you know, uh, came to visit him same day, early in the day. And by the way, Fatima and the Prophet ﷺ had a very strong bond. They were very, they were really close, you know, father and daughter. You know, for example, every time Fatima used to come to see him, he would stand up. He would kiss her and put her on his seat. And he would stand up. Can you imagine? Every, and again, the Prophet ﷺ had seven children. Six of them died, except for Fatima. Six of them he had to bury, except for Fatima. You know, uh, so when Fatima saw him like this, she started crying. And she asked him, how painful is it? And then the Prophet ﷺ, you know, responded and he said, Do not worry, Fatima. Your father will not suffer after today. Then he called Fatima close to him and he whispered something to her. And uh, she started crying even more. Then when he saw her crying, he called her again close to him and he whispered something else to her that made her laugh so hard out of happiness. And of course, Aisha was, you know, in the next room. So she, you know, noticed that something happened. So uh, 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 she became curious. So she asked her, what, what, what did the Prophet ﷺ tell you? And Fatima said, I'm sorry, Aisha, but I cannot tell you the secret of the Prophet ﷺ. I cannot tell you right now. Now, later on, you know, a few months after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, Aisha uh, asked Fatima, now, can you tell me now? He, you know, the Prophet ﷺ passed away. So can you tell me what happened? What did he tell you? And again, we know that Aisha was really curious. So Fatima said, yes, now I can tell you. So she said, the first time he whispered to me, he told me that uh, his time has come to an end. That's it. He's about to die. So I cried so hard. But then the second time he told me that I will meet him very soon. And I will be the first of his family to meet him in the afterlife. And basically, and that I shall be the leader of women in paradise. And we know that Fatima, by the way, is going to be, inshallah, the leader of women in paradise. And indeed, Fatima literally died about six months after the death of the Prophet He said, you're going to be the first one to meet me. You're going to die very shortly. And, you know, lo and behold, six months after Fatima passes away. And it shows you the amount of love that, you know, she had for her father. Then our Prophet ﷺ started stating certain things that we take for granted right now. Like he said, for example, death has its pangs. Pangs meaning sharp pain. Everyone will experience the pangs of death, by the way. Everyone, no matter how you die, you know, you will experience, even for a split second of what you think is split second, you will experience the pangs of death. And imagine if the Prophet ﷺ himself is experiencing the pangs of death, and it's very sharp. What about us? Now, we know that he's getting extra, you know, tests during his death because of his elevation. But that does not, you know, uh, take away from the fact that we will experience the pangs of death anyway. Uh, uh, but may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let's make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy on us, you know, when we are dying. And then he kept making dua for Allah, you know, f- for him to be able to bear 
the pangs of death. Now, he didn't make dua, oh Allah, take it away. He said, oh Allah, help me bear the pangs of death. Then the pain became very severe that he couldn't speak anymore. Imagine, he could not speak anymore for the rest of the day. And then at this point, Aisha didn't know what to do. She did not know what to do. So she sits down and she picks up the Prophet ﷺ literally and holds him while you know putting his head on her chest. She was literally carrying him while sitting down. You can guys imagine the the, the, the scene. Now, while the Prophet ﷺ was being held by Aisha, uh, he was looking up and he was mumbling something. Now, because he was weak, he was saying something you know uh, in a very uh, you know quiet uh, voice. And she didn't hear what he was saying, so she leaned a little bit towards him to, to you know, to hear clearly what he's saying. And she heard him saying, you know, uh, with the, the the righteous and the prophets, the martyrs, uh, oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, have mercy on me and allow me to be in your company. And of course, at this moment, she realized that the Prophet was being given the choice. Where do you want to stay? Do you want to stay with your people on earth? Or you want to, you know, be with the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Aisha said that uh, at this moment, she realized that the Prophet ﷺ chose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over us and who wouldn't. And that was the last thing that the Prophet ﷺ said before he left this world. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make him a beacon of hope and his life is guidance to us make the quran and the sunnah guidance to us to be able to cross safely from this life to the hereafter inshallah and you know he died uh, at this moment and aisha said that you know one of the greatest blessings that she was given that the prophet died in her house in her arms and you know after that the news spread across medina and people didn't know what to do. People did not know what to do. People were in shock, complete shock. They were in disbelief. And Abu Bakr was not around. You know, he was in his house thinking that the Prophet is getting better, right? Then Omar, uh, on the other hand, was at the, at the masjid when the news spread. And he was in such disbelief that he shouted, It is the hypocrites who are spreading the rumor of the death of the Prophet. The Prophet is alive and well. And if any of you, Repeat those lies. I will kill you myself. You know. Meanwhile, Abu Bakr hears the news in his house. He rides his horse straight to his daughter's house, Aisha, to verify. You know, he wanted to make sure that the Prophet is actually dead. And then he finds the body of the Prophet covered up and he lifts the cover and he starts to cry. And he said, you know, he kisses the forehead of the Prophet ﷺ and he said, I would do anything to get you back, O Prophet of Allah. How beautiful are you in life and in death? His best friend, you know, after a long journey, after an incredible journey, his best friend, the best of mankind, is dead in front of him. And, you know, he breaks in crying and, you know, he, he breaks down in crying and, he, you know, he didn't know what to do and he, you know, again, he was reflecting upon the life of the Prophet ﷺ and how incredible of an, of an influence he was, you know, in, in all of our lives uh, and how incredible of an influence he will always be until the Day of Judgment.
Then he hears Omar yelling and shouting in the masjid. And he goes, you know, to yell at Omar. He goes, Omar, sit down now. What are you doing? But then Omar doesn't listen. He's in complete disbelief. So Abu Bakr rises to the pulpit. And he doesn't he, he doesn't rise all the way to the top because this is what the Prophet ﷺ used to do, right? So out of respect to the to the Prophet, ﷺ, he would just, you know, he took a few steps only. And he was, you know, addressing everybody. So he said his famous phrase. He goes, Whoever used to worship Muhammad, know that Muhammad has died. And whoever worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's alive and never dies. Hold yourself together. Look at the wisdom and the needed strength of Abu Bakr. If you guys used to worship Muhammad, Muhammad died. That's it, no more. And if you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so Allah is always going to be alive. He will never die. And then he recited, you know, the chapter of Ala Imran. Remember the chapter that Wama Muhammad illa, the chapter that basically uh, stated that Muhammad is only a prophet. He's only a messenger that came, you know, after a long chain of, you know, messengers. And if he dies, would you guys flip out? He recited it now to remind him that was our sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when this happened, Omar fully realized. What happened? He realized that it was the truth. He died. He realized what's going on now. This was not a lie. This was not a dream. The Prophet ﷺ passed away. And that made him collapse. He literally just fell sitting down. He could not hold it. His body couldn't carry him anymore. And he started crying. He couldn't, he couldn't take it. He couldn't take it. These were the closest people to the Prophet ﷺ and their best friend, the best of mankind died. And they felt lost. They felt lost. So the next day, they gathered, you know, to discuss how to wash the body of the Prophet ﷺ. Now, in order to wash the body, by the way, you have to, you know, strip the clothes, you know, like you have to strip it naked. The clothes have to be taken off. So they didn't feel right doing that to the Prophet ﷺ. So they kept wondering how we can't do it. And suddenly, subhanAllah, look at this miracle. They all fell asleep thinking about what they should do. They all fell asleep and in their sleep, all of them, imagine all of them at the same time heard a voice telling them, wash him with his clothes on. So they woke up and they told each other and of course they realized that was Jibreel giving them, you know, inspiring them to do, you know, the correct thing. So they did wash the body of the Prophet ﷺ while his clothes, uh, you know, were on and, you know, they shrouded him with, you know, three white garments. Then, you know, they were wondering where to bury him and then they had, you know, they had different opinions. Abu Bakr remembered that the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that he said Allah takes the soul of his prophets where they, you know, uh, are supposed to be buried. So meaning where he died is where he's supposed to be buried in his room. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, all the prophets, by the way, were buried where they actually died. 
So because of this, they, you know, dug the grave. They, they buried him in, 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 in his, you know, uh, in his room. And also there were no Muslim leader yet. The Prophet just passed away. So no one led the funeral prayer, the, 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 the Janazah prayer. Nobody led it. So everyone came and prayed individually. Thousands of people. Can you imagine coming and going, praying Janazah on the Prophet ﷺ in the room of Aisha for two full days? Imagine coming and going, praying, going, praying, praying and leaving. Other coming, praying and leaving. Other coming, praying and leaving. Subhanallah. The people of Medina said that the day that the Prophet ﷺ entered Medina was the brightest day in their lives. And the day they had to bury him was the darkest day of their lives. And, you know, our Prophet ﷺ, you know, told the companions one day that I wish to meet my brethren, my brothers in Islam. So the companions said, aren't we your brothers, O Prophet of Allah? Then the Prophet ﷺ said, no, you are my companions and close friends. But my brethren are the ones who will come in the future and they will believe in me and they will love me and they would give up anything to be with me without even seeing me or meeting me. And he was talking about us, my dear brothers and sisters. The Prophet ﷺ was talking about us. Those who love the Prophet ﷺ, those who follow his sunnah, those who, you know, puts him in a very high status where he should be always. He's talking about that he wishes to meet us. That was before he died. He wishes to meet us. But unfortunately, not all of us do this. Not all of us do this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those that the Prophet ﷺ wanted to meet and inshallah will meet on the day of judgment. You know, we might not be given the honor of meeting him and being with him like, you know, the companions and that was a special honor that, you know, the companions so much deserved. But since we didn't get this honor, let's try to get the second honor. That he wanted to meet us. Let's be from those that the Prophet ﷺ wished to meet. You know, learn about the Prophet ﷺ. Follow his sunnah, authentic sunnah. Love him as much as you can. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this from all of us and make us with him on the day of judgment and in paradise, inshaAllah. Being in the company of the Prophet ﷺ could have been, you know, magical. Could have been the best thing ever happened to us, but we never got that chance. But inshallah, meeting him and being with him in the hereafter could be our chance. We could have a chance of that. If we do the right thing and we be, you know, as much, you know, the best versions of ourselves when it comes to, you know, being Muslims. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. And inshallah, we will, you know, resume the podcast uh, uh, next year with new topics uh, this was an incredible journey and such an honor. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. All thanks to Allah that He allowed me to, you know, uh, share this journey with you guys. May Allah subhanahu wa taala reward all of us. You know, reward all of us for being on that journey. Um, and may Allah subhanahu wa taala make us from those that the best of mankind, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu who wanted to meet. May Allah make us from them. May Allah make us from those that the Prophet would give. 
water on the day of judgment when you know we need it the most. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, grant us uh, the blessings of seeing the beautiful face of the Prophet and enjoying the incredible company of the Prophet in paradise, inshallah. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.